This week's episode is brought to you by goaltending, which it turns out kind of matters. This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. It's a breakaway! McKinnon, pure guts! They got nothing but guts! Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass, and look at the patient, my goodness. Guts all over the place, I can't believe it. And after 22 years, the Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for January 7th, 2019. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche won a hockey game, mixed goalie messages, and getting ready for the Canadian Death March. But before we play the blues, let's check out the disembodied voices for the week. Joining us as usual is Earl. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. Joining us again is Jackie. Hello to you. Bonjour. And also joining us again is Rudo. What's up, Rudo? Hey, hey. We open the show with a little context. Colorado have reached the legendary low bar, everybody. 48 points. Well done there. 48 points. They're in the first wildcard spot. Anaheim are in the second with 45 points. Vancouver are right behind with 44 although they've played three more games, and Minnesota have 43 with two fewer games played. The Stars are third in the Central with the same points percentage, but they own the tiebreaker by two regulation and overtime wins. So let's keep that picture in mind as we complain for the next hour. <laughs> On Monday, Avs drop an extremely boring one in overtime to the LA Kings 3-2, with Colorado coming back into it from a 2-0 deficit with goals in the third from Carl Soderberg and Nathan McKinnon. Overtime lasted less than a minute thanks to yet another terrible change that turned into yet another breakaway. Colorado's team defense did its job, only allowed 18 shots on goal, but three of them went in, so what are you going to do? This, this game sucked yeah. outrageously, and I'm not interested in talking about it much more than that. Yeah, Any I missed half this game because my lift back from the airport broke down and I didn't oh, feel like no. I missed anything when I got back finally. So <laughs> <laughs> That would suck being in a lift that broke or being the driver of the lift that broke like either one that would yeah, suck. Yeah, I felt really bad for the guy. It was on the day in Denver where it was basically like 0 degrees too. It was it was bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is no bueno. No, all I remember from that game is Barry taking a penalty with three seconds left in the period. Yep, that happened. And, and then they, there. of course, they scored on that power play, and that was that. I think you all are forgetting something pretty big here. That was Logan O'Connor's NHL debut. Yeah, that he definitely played what, was like thing. five minutes in that game or something. <laughs> Has he played more than that uh, yet? I mean, that's a pretty easy I, you guess. Know, and the Rangers I know this game, game was... I know this game was really terrible, but... It, and and the Kings are very terrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it showed some of the things that they're... You know, sort of the process is working, and they're, they just weren't getting the results. Um. You know, if it, hopefully this was part of the foreshadowing of it, they're starting to come out of the slump. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah, feel... it was a bad game, and we hated it. If I remember correctly, it, it was the second game in a row they came back from a deficit and took it to overtime. Right, the Chicago right. game, they right. yeah. they did the same thing. So it was like I remember feeling after that game that it was terrible, but it was like. 
like you said, they were getting chances. They came back. They got a point. Overtime sucks, but what can you do? It's like they're accomplishing something. Yeah, there were there were hints yeah. of some good things going on. Just no reward. Yeah. No joy. Then on Wednesday, Avs drop a deceptive one five two to the San Jose or five four. Excuse me, to the San Jose Sharks. After they came back from 5-1 to even reach that point, Matt Calvert scored early. Then the Avs' comeback was fueled by three Tyson goals. One from Barry and two from Jost, who had been pretty uh, pretty quiet lately, so good for him. Grubauer allowed four goals on just 14 shots before Bednar went back to Pavel Francis, who was good again. Bednar said after the game that the guy deserved to start, which means he then didn't start the next game and got sent down immediately after. Alright. <laughs> I don't know. Is this where we're getting into the Frank conversation? Uh, we can. Or are we going to talk about the game first? I don't care. Oh, okay, let's... let's uh, about <laughs> the game, I'd say I was at this game, so... So, like I always say, it's, ki- it's kind of hard to compare your impression of a live game versus an on-TV game. But then again, it's also easier to remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was a pretty terrible game. Like it, the score looked close, but they were just so out of it. It really was garbage time. Like if the other comebacks kind of had meaning, this one really felt like a garbage time comeback. But at least they did it. And I think after the game, Bender made a comment like, "We keep doing this where we can get, we kind of flip the switch and and turn it on and get back into a game it's like why can't you just do it earlier like why can't you just have urgency to win a game why can't we have score effects earlier (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i I agree with you score effects but but i think there were some good precursors to what would be the rangers game in this one specifically as Steph mentioned, you have Matt Calvert scoring a goal. He hadn't had a point in eight games. Tyson Jost with two goals hadn't had a point in a bunch of games. Sam Girard even got an assist in this game, and he hadn't had a point in over a month. So Ooh. some people that they needed to start scoring did, even if it didn't really mean anything in this game. I think it gave them a little bit of confidence going into the next one. Sure, confidence always helps. And I, I like after the game, Bednar said he really liked the first, except for obviously the penalty issues. And he liked the comeback, which, you know, it's score effects. And I'm sure he knows that, but he wants to put a positive spin on it. But, you know, after the Sharks scored that first goal, the Avs went on a big run leading up to Calvert's goal. You know, and it, it's this isn't like going on a big run against LA or the Rangers or something like that. Like, you know, that's a good team. They pretty much had in hand for a lot of the first until they started really screwing up on on the penalty deal in the last five minutes of the period. Yeah, so it was nice that they didn't. That like, was a good process period. Like get, giving up the first goal, get them down, and then they they were able to score that goal. But it was like when they went on the five on three and they gave that up. That just kind of. That killed their yeah. momentum. When they gave up the five on three, I kind of had a funny moment because they won the face off, and I was like, "Oh, that's Carlson. Oh, that's Burns. Oh, that's Pavelski. Oh, that's Thornton. Oh no." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but on top of all that, it's like you know they could have cleared that if someone with some puck skills was out there instead of Gabe Bork, and you know I I think what we're all hoping is that that 
that incident was kind of that could have been a last straw for relying on Gabe Bork as your solid penalty killing vet that you really don't use at five on five. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, this week, you know, if, if that continues like it did in the Rangers game, but um, yeah, it'd be nice if he's willing to scratch work. Like I understand Bed Nurse's value in that and its trustworthiness and blah 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 and his. Well, I think that blew his trust. That's the thing. I mean, it's like you had one job and he couldn't clear the puck on the five on three. I mean, it's like they probably could have, they could have escaped that period just being tied. And that would have been a really different game. We'll see if he goes. I think it's a little much to hope he goes to like Lindholm heaven already, but. No, he won't do that. I mean, you know, he's not going to not play for months or, or that kind of thing, but. You know, but, if, if but you can like gradually thought, get yeah. other players involved in that role and make it so, you know, it's like he's playing every fourth game, every third game, maybe something like kind that. Kind of like I mean, Sven is now, which that Sven's kind of like the alternative at this point. So he'd have to kind of like warm up to Sven if he's going to kind of put Bork in that every once in a while category, which I think is good for him. Like, it's fine if he's on the roster as the 13th forward. You can play him sometimes in certain teams, but yeah, you cannot rely on him as like as someone you dress every single night and as a main penalty killer. It's not just that. Like, I don't have a big problem with only playing the rookies, you know, six minutes a night, less than six minutes a night, if the you know circumstances dictate. I think um, but, it's but if pointless you, if you, still. Yeah, but I mean, if you have a veteran that is on your roster and in your lineup every night, and you only feel comfortable playing him, you know, five or six minutes at five v five, yeah, that's really hard. Well, right, to justify. it's a, it's a waste. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Like a young guy, at least you hope they'll work up to something. If you've already decided a veteran, you can only play for six minutes. There's no upside there. I mean, right. Gabe Bork has 34 games played and zero goals this year. And over the past 10 games, the Evs have desperately needed goals and continued to play him. So, And in that first period versus the Sharks, besides screwing up the clear, the only 5v5 shift he had was with the wrong line, which we don't know whether, you know, they they actually tapped him to go out, or he just went out on his own, thinking. It was I feel his like turn. in that Sharks game, at, at at one point they they did some really weird stuff with lines, and it wasn't, you know, obviously you'd look for just was it a change or something, but on the face off, like they had swapped McKinnon and Soderberg, and it was just like, what was, are they doing? It was odd, yeah. I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, like they basically yeah. just started double shifting everyone on the top line with everyone else, and it kind of got them going. Well, you know, Ben talked about they... that later on in the week that he liked when he put Mac with Nieto and Calvert, and, um, and that was just one of the stranger scoring lines so far this year. Is Calvert from McKinnon right. and Nieto? Like, okay, but yeah. I I do think like with it like I this whole storyline that's been for the last week or two about the top lines broken up, like who's practicing with McKinnon, but it's not real. And maybe the media is realizing that, that it's just such a non-thing because it really isn't. But The goal was to get, you know, the Kerfoot line going somehow. Right, you're not going to do that with, like, two shifts. Either commit to it or don't commit to it. But if within a game they did more of that, where they 
kind of found some new duos and trios that they could use maybe for a little bit of a spark. I think they should. And it does feel like in the Sharks game, they kind of tried that for a little bit. Yeah, because it was basically a scrimmage from halfway on. <laughs> it was five to one. If you're going to try stuff, go ahead, try stuff. Yeah. But I don't, in general, I don't like that all the rookies are just playing five minutes. Like, I get it when you first get there in O'Connor's first game or whatever, but it's not leading to anything. Like, it started as, oh, Greer only plays five minutes. Well, it's because he didn't show anything. He's not good enough. He didn't do anything to earn more minutes. It's like he just didn't happen to play in a game that they had a three-goal lead and they could play him more. That's really what it was. I just don't see any end game with these guys. It's just they're used as little as possible. They're basically there as warm bodies. Like, what is the point with any of them? I mean, the two right now, I don't really think there is an end game anyway. Like, at best, they're probably tweener NHLers, if we're being realistic. The sure, but the they were doing that with Dries being and Dries and O'Connor. Right. Like, they were doing the same thing with Greer. They probably would do the same thing with Cout if they called him up. The only uh, guy that I even, don't think they do with Cout. So. Yeah. <laughs> that they wouldn't just give him five minutes. Like, do you actually see them giving him more minutes? I see them yeah. not calling up Martin Cout. Like, well, they should. He just does not fit the way they call up people. He's going to earn a spot out of the next training camp. And if they called him up this year, I'd be very surprised. I'd be very surprised if they didn't call him up at all. Like, I don't think he's staying, but... He'll get the same call-up, I think. After we clinch or get eliminated, he'll get, like, a token game or two. I th- like, I you mean, you I just think... don't have someone win a job in camp. Like, a guy is give basically given uh, a job in camp and he just has to not screw it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is I, I still i don't think they're going to call him up unless you know they start using him a little bit more defensively like you know they really need to start using him on the pk down there but they wouldn't um, use him on the pk in for the abs so i don't really think I mean, that part matters take O'Connor's spot right now and at worst he wouldn't notice a difference and at best he'd be significantly better I think so yeah and I think they're motivated to you know like give him shifts with you know who knows like um Comfort and Kerfoot or you know two of the fratline guys every once in a while it probably depends who's injured is what it really comes down to (laughs) I mean there's there's also the whole expansion draft angle well, I don't think he's playing more than 10, but if they they have the 10, so use it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't even be worried about the expansion draft. Like, if it if it happens, it happens. Like, everybody's got to lose a player in it, so... Yeah. Well, they can still be prudent with that and not... I don't, I don't think it's a worry. I don't think it's a concern that you'd want to play him for more than 10. It's, pre- it's pretty easy to manage. Yeah, and there's nothing at all wrong with getting the Miko Rantanen treatment at all. Right. As long as they don't play him at center. Right. Like, don't don't bring him up and play him on his off wing with Borna Rindelitz. Got it. (laughs) He might be better center than some of the other people who are trying in center, but... (laughs) No, he's not a center, but there could be worse things. But neither is Dries, so... (laughs) So let's finish off the week as the Avs win on Friday, 6-1 over the hapless New York Rangers. New York took 31 minutes 
in penalties, including an early major to Cody McLeod for boarding Sam Gerrard. McKinnon and Miko Rantanen got the punish. And then Gabe Landis called Alexander Kerfoot and another from Ranton and put this one out of reach. Late in the third, Ryan Graves picks up his first NHL goal. Well done there against the team that he was traded from. Um, Colorado outshoot New York 47-25. to Just not ever a close game. They definitely needed this game to just dominate, win outright, not have to worry about coming back like they have in so many games over the last month, basically. So, they really needed it. We really needed a crappy Eastern Conference team to come into town, and they were the one! And they got beat up. I mean, they're not... The, the Rangers aren't actually that bad of a team. They look it's like just, that I, bad of a team. Right. <laughs> I just think... I, I, I don't know what David Quinn was thinking when, you know, he, he was drawing up the plan. I mean, obviously, he doesn't want his team to take 10 penalties or nine penalties um but right. it's you know it's obvious the call was you know just we'll be physical with these guys and they will wilt to our power or something like that <laughs> i mean you after penalty number six you have to have a little bit of adjustment you would think but no nope. right i just don't think they have the skill on that team right now to do anything else i mean they're they're losing to arizona 5-0 right now and getting outshot 33 to 14 in the process they're they're definitely inconsistent, like a lot of the not terrible but not good teams. Like on they, certain they're, nights, they're very undercoached. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. I was, a, but I, I was totally gonna go to their website and be like, you know, let's look at the schedule and see their their other recent scores because they just got obliterated by Pittsburgh too. But because it's the Rangers, it froze my browser, and that's not gonna happen today. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the very least it was a team the Avs are better than, and they played like it. Finally, yeah. Um, mostly. <laughs> yes, they were very good on the major penalty, but they basically went eight straight after that, where they fell back into old habits. And some of them were good, but a lot of the power plays were fairly meh. And they could have put that game away before the first period was even over, and they waited until, like, into the third period to really do it. I mean, I yeah. see that, but it just... I, I just... I think it's tough to score more than three goals on the power play in a game. You know? It's just... I, I think after a while, you play so much power play that it becomes, like, 5v5. It's just, you know, the, the opponent is so used to killing penalties, and you're so, you know... In, entrenched in your power play that it, it just becomes dull and repetitive. I, I get that to an extent, but the problem is the contrast between the major and the minors for me. On the major penalty, they would make a few passes, get it to one of their forwards in the circles, and have the forwards shoot. And it worked! They got a little lucky on Rantanen's, admittedly, but McKinnon's was very nice. And then, as they got more and more minors, they started to settle back into make nothing passes, nobody move their feet, give it to Barry at the point, and he shoots it into some shins, and that's it. And, right, there and wasn't a lot of urgency there. I'll give, I mean, that's definitely for sure. I, I don't mind the lack of urgency totally, like you said, once you're on power play number seven or whatever, but I, the Avs are a much more successful team when they have their forward shoot the freaking puck. <laughs> yeah. I, I was mostly frustrated with the five on three. And I know it wasn't a very long five on three. Like, I think the there first were one was two of them, very, and they were like one was fifteen seconds and one was twenty seconds. I I think the first, yeah, the first one was shorter. I think the 
Second one was closer to 30 seconds. The, that one was just terrible. It truly, truly was like no shots. And that's the thing that drives me the, cra- the craziest is not shooting on a five on three. It, it, it's like five on threes are almost worse because they even try to pick their spots even more. It's like, no, there's five of you. Quit playing like idiots. Shoot the puck. If one of you can get to the rebound nine times out of ten, then there's something wrong. I mean, you can also look at it like, all right, all we have to do is not give up a breakaway and a goal against on a goalie that we don't really trust that much on breakaways, and we're okay. So there's that, too. If they're trying not to score, sure. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) How can you play that defensively on a power play when you're only up by two? I I mean, I'm just saying, like, they weren't weren't just, like, full-on go for it like they were on the major. Sure, but, I mean, like, it even comes down to after, like, they took the succession of penalties, they finally get to some five-on-five time halfway through the second, and Landy just marches in and scores because he's a forward and could do that. And it's like, hello... Just do that on the peak on the power play. <laughs> nope, we have to be as fancy as possible, and then say nope, never mind, and just send it back to the point anyway. That's what was so obnoxious about these miners to me. Like multiple times, you would see the forwards end up in a pretty dangerous position down low with the puck, and then just kind of go, oh, never mind, and turn around, like literally physically turn around, and then pass it back to the point. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I think some of that is what Bednar wants. He wants that puck to go back to the point, which that's a, that is some of the structural problem, I guess you would, you could say, if, if you feel like they have any, is because they are told to do that. And that's that's possible. And you're in an HLer, and I'm not. And you're on the ice, and I'm looking at the view from above. So we're we're obviously seeing different things, but it just happened so many times. It was obnoxious. I mean, the goal it, the goal to, to passing it back to the point is, you know, it's like, say McKinnon passes it back to Barry. Barry tries to go to one side and either passes it back to Mac or passes it to Miko and they go for the seam pass for the, and the shot. I mean, that's that's basically their play. It, it does. It seems it does seem very stale and predictable. I, I, I think the play is fine. It's just they're not doing the setup necessary for it. Like, yes, they do the part with Barry up high, but the forwards on the half boards need to be sliding up and down and moving themselves, creating gaps and forcing the PK to be moving to hold the passing lanes. And they're just not. They're super, super stagnant in the circles. And then several yeah. times you'll see them actually get that scene pass to happen. And then instead yeah. of taking the shot, they try to make another seam pass. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, they like they make the seam pass, and yeah, Mac makes three against the Sharks. That was bad. That was and then awful. in the next game against the Rags, here he like was afraid to shoot. He would get it, collect it, and then just hold it after a great seam pass, and it would do nothing. Yeah. And Miko would would take the seam pass and just touch pass it back into the all the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's obviously a little tentativeness and, you know, again, that's something that has been a, a thing for the last month. So it's going to take more than one game for them to get over that. So, you know, hopefully that's something we see them sort of overcome in the next week or two. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just the power play continues to click along at a pretty good rate relative to the rest of the league. It's, yeah. it's just obnoxious that we see 
all these like like we see what works and we see them not do it very regularly so that's why yeah. we keep harping on it even though it continues to be one of the better power plays in the national hockey league it could be the best right i i wish that they could rely on it a bit more situationally i think it would help them pull out of slumps like i agree statistically it's good but they haven't had that they're getting a lot of like first period power play goals, which of course those count too. But like I said, they they cannot they aren't good enough on the power play where they where teams are gonna fear taking a penalty against them in the third period because then they could change the game with the power play. And I think that's kind of the problem with it. They got one against San Jose. It was just too late. They'd already given up the goofy one from below the goal line that bounced off of somebody off of Fransu's shoulder and in. Yeah, that's... for Over the losing streak stretch, Like that was kind of the problem for me. Is you, you felt like the M's were always in, this game, in these games, and then they'd give up that one more goal, and you're like, well, that's too far. Yeah. Yeah. That that happened like both the ones that happened to to Francois, like like there was the one that was the goofy one from the point where like you really want to have that save, that one was just weird. Like it, that that's a punch yeah, announced one it, time it, too many off of Cole and just yeah. <laughs> it's but it's not like some of these other games where like the the goal that makes it a two goal game is a wraparound like ah. Yeah, that the Avs got scored on the wraparound against them twice in a week, and that's like insane. That's embarrassing. Like, yeah, you, you do not score on wraparounds in the modern NHL. It's never supposed to happen. No, one of them happened because Varlamov was like, "Well, I'm just gonna make a poke check on this play that's going behind the goal line for some reason," and the other one, Grubauer, was a little slow to get around on it. He did make the initial save. And then Sheldon Dries said, I'm helping, and pushed his pad into the net. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I broke that play down, and obviously what Dries did there wasn't good, but goalies have to be able to hold the post there. Like, oh, yeah. Dries didn't, like, jam his stick through. He just kind of bumped into him a little I, th- I believe that happened one time earlier with Grubauer, where it was like he had the save, and then it just... Yeah, that one, it bounced out off of his blocker and then back in on him. <laughs> what? But yeah, this If he's a little bit quicker coming over, he can have more strength on the post, is why I mentioned that he was a little yeah, slow coming over. I, yeah. Unfortunately, I just don't think Grubauer will ever be a little bit quicker on the lateral movement. No, I think but... you're probably right about that. It's very unfortunate, though. Yeah, it's it's going to be an adjustment for the defense, to say the least. <laughs> But, I, I mean, it's it's tough, because this is hindsight, obviously, after watching the Rangers game, but even before the game, you're going into it thinking, this is about as easy as a game as you could give Francis, and, and they opted to give it to Grubauer instead. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I mean, I didn't like that either. Um, I'm on the know, I, I'm a big sides fan of Francis's. I, I I really want to see Francis get a start. I I think that really was a great game for him to take, but um, you know I, I can see the Avs position where you know they really do need Gruby to be good, even if they you know even if they end up giving Francis one of the starts this week on the back to back, they still need you know 
two out of two of those guys working well if Farley's going to be hurt. I can see both sides of it, too. And the answer probably is, like you said, more about, I don't know, trying to get Grubauer on a roll or show confidence in him, which, which is, a, I understand that part's important, but you're going to need Fransuz at some point. At some point, there isn't going to be another option. And it's like, you've put him in twice cold, and and you said he played well, and you're going to have to like start him in a game. I'd rather start him in a game that you choose rather than having his first start be in a game that you don't choose. It could be anything you know it could be in the playoffs it could be a playoff implications game a division game who knows but it's like what what you do to prepare now will help you down the line and i think it gets back to like bedner's he's very much in like these are the guys that are on the bus and these are the guys that like i'm going with and i don't mind showing that kind of loyalty but you need all these other guys too. They're your guys as well. And I think if he worked a little bit harder to include some of them, then they would benefit him down the line. I mean, I, I agree with that, but if you look at the way the schedule falls right now, you know, they're going to, assuming Varley is still injured, which I don't until think he actually he is. I do. I think he, you know, personally, I think he is. So, he practiced uh, yesterday. They sent Brent, they sent Frank back down. He can't still be injured. They could call him back. I mean, today. he came back and played that one game, and then was magically back with the flu or whatever. So, <laughs> I right. mean, I think I think they're going to try to go with Varley. I mean, who who knows? But I think I do feel like if he's good enough, they'd rather go with Varley anyway rather than go with Frank. Because if you're thinking about starting Frank on this trip then that kind of pretty much takes away all the other arguments that you had before that you couldn't start him against freaking Arizona and the Rangers. But yet you're like, hey, we'll start him in Calgary. Let's start him against Calgary, all right? Um, You know, it's like Grubauer takes the divisional game and then Fransuz takes the second half of the back-to-back against Calgary. He can prepare for, you know, two or three days before taking that start. I mean, that's a lot better than getting dropped into the Rangers game sort of with zero preparation. But making him fly commercial to Stockton to play basically a late afternoon game getting shelled is, is their idea of preparing him to play for Calgary, play against Calgary. Uh, maybe they're expecting no. to get shelled by Calgary. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's playing Calgary's affiliate, so I guess that's good practice, right? Uh, yeah, he's learning their system. I mean, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that trip soon, um, but it's, it's going to be a ridiculously tough one and it starts with a back-to-back so you really would like to have some confidence in your second goaltender whether it's for them to be able to keep up with the NHL or whether it's for them to be a healthy goaltender so eh, I don't know I, it would, I'm with y'all it would have been really good for for him to earn that start because I, I felt like he earned that start and it sounded like the coach agreed but then they just didn't give it to him and but I also understand you've got to have Grubauer going because if if both Varlamov and Grubauer are, are on the struggle bus, the team goes nowhere. So I understand you've got to have one of those two guys going. 
and the Rangers is, for the same reasons it's a good game for Francis, it's a good game to get Grubauer going as well. Like, I understand. It's just... Right, and at best, Francis is going to be your backup. Yeah. You know, it let's, if Varley is, is unavailable for a period of time, you, you know, Francis is not going to take the starter's job. So, you know, if, if that's going to be the case, you really need Grubauer to be able to take on the starter, you know, at least like, you know, a 1A position. Yep. So, um, I don't know about you guys, but it's been uh, it, it's been a very difficult few weeks, and I'm I'm tired of just getting smashed out there. <laughs> well, it's exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting, and I'm sure it is for the team too. It it takes a lot out of you to have to always come from behind. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrible as a fan when you're watching and it, it's, you know, you see that second goal in the first period and you're just like, well, that's the night. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the, wor- the worst part of it for me is how hard they've made the second half of the season for themselves. And that too, I think it's hard mentally on the fans just because we don't know what this team really is. Like when they're rolling and you start thinking about, could you maybe win the division? You know, you start thinking about really lofty things, like how far can they go in the playoffs and this and that. Right. You know, even if we go 500 over this losing streak streak stretch, we're basically at the top of the Central Division and we're 10 points away, 10 point gap on missing the playoffs. So it's basically cruise control the second half of the season and we make the playoffs. And now instead we're four points out away from missing the playoffs and not even in the top three in the central. So they made a hill to climb that wasn't necessary. And I feel like this position is really more who they are as exciting as it was earlier. And I think they could get on another roll again, but I I think that was a bit much for who this team is. I, I agree that the role was a bit much, but I think this is too far the other way too. And that's yeah, more, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they can. Get... Yeah, and I agree. And it helps they beat Dallas twice. It does. So Dallas. It... I think we've kind of yeah. said all along, like this is who this team is. If they're going to have really hot streaks, they're going to have really cold streaks. But it's just when you yeah. get in the middle of the really cold streak and you you see that the team are still doing some good things. Like you see some bad things creeping in too. And we talked about those a lot last week with the collapsing defense and the struggles in net and all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, you see that they just they have a poor shooting percentage right now. The goaltending can't stay this bad. It, it it's it's, just, it's a big swing. I mean, yeah. to lose six in a row is and it's sure, like one thing. we ex- expect it would be a little bit up and down. But then to lose six in a row and what were they nine oh two earlier? It's just something like that. It, it <laughs> is a it is a, just a little too manic there, and I I think. We're only 18 months removed from the 48-point year. Like We've seen it before where they've had a good year, a miracle year, bounce back, fresh start, whatever you want to call it. Their problem has always been sustaining it and then building on it. And overall, the season has still been pretty good. But I think it is hard mentally because you're thinking, what is this team really? I mean, the real sticking point for me is who we lost to like if you go on a six game losing streak to washington tampa toronto and winnipeg 
yeah, okay, it, those are a bunch of good teams. If you lose six in a row where two of them are to Chicago, one's to Los Angeles, one's to Arizona, that doesn't feel good. No. Like, all losing streaks are kind of like, they're always disappointing, and or home games that you lose. And for me, it's like they haven't beat a lot of good teams. You know, as disappointing as to lose to the bad teams, for me, I'm a bit concerned. They really haven't beat a good team. Like, the game they won in Nashville, that that was certainly a big boy win for them. But other than that, they just have not been able to rise to the occasion and beat a legitimately good team. How I mean, there, long there, there ago not was that? many legitimately good teams, though. There's plenty. Yeah. You, you could have beat Tampa, Washington... Um, well, Winnipeg, it's not as many, Calgary. I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, it they haven't played that many teams that you're like, well, this is a pretty good team. They they should, you know, this is going to be a tough win. Yeah, there's I, plenty. I, of I agree with that. Vegas haven't beat San Jose, Washington, Calgary, How, Winnipeg. When you look back at all of these Tampa. teams, though, they were in pretty much all those games except for the seven one loss to Tampa. Like they could have won those games, and then they have a couple wins against teams like Nashville, Pittsburgh, Boston. That's it, though. <laughs> well, it's but not but they also—they haven't played Toronto a single time yet. They just played San Jose for the first time in the middle of their losing streak. And they also lost to Nashville. They only beat them once. Yeah, I, I understand that. Same thing with Pittsburgh. But if you're they going 500 with those teams, that's fine. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty I much mean, who they are. <laughs> I, just, I just want Tampa Bay out of this conversation because Tampa Bay sure, are I mean, 32, like, 8, yeah, and 2. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, they just lost their first game in a month and a half. And and you took them to a 1-0 loss where you scored a goal. It just didn't count. So, like... Sure, but I'm not talking about just one team. They've pretty much ha- had, like, one big win. I mean, it's good they beat Dallas, for sure. That'll probably help down the line. But well, they're gonna I'd have- like to see them... Get, I wouldn't say they're not competitive. They're competitive against the good teams, but they need to be able to win some of those games to really feel like. That my point. Maybe this my point is, there's the probably like, step. there's you're, you're talking about five or six teams, so so be yeah. one of them. <laughs> okay, I'm just you know I agree with you. It's it's don't nice get to your do ass that. kicked in Calgary and Winnipeg like that would yeah, be a but start. There, the flip side of that is there's like twenty teams that you know, aren't as good as they are, and, and you go into thinking, like, you know, that they've got a really good chance tonight. Well, sure, yeah, and they need to win those games, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Earl here. Like, are we really considering the Avs to be a top 5-6 team in the league? I don't um, think so. When, when they are winning, people do. I well, yeah. I didn't. When you're going 9-0-2, yeah, you, you generally are one of the best teams. In the well, league. sure, over that stretch, but on the whole, like... <laughs> yeah. They're, if, they're also they are, shooting 10% and getting like 940 goaltending. So. Right. <laughs> what they are is where they're sitting right now. I, that's fine. I still feel like if they even just make the playoffs, that's a huge accomplishment for this team this that, year. If they get 96 points, it's a big accomplishment because they've never, right. they've never that be backed up a season too. of improvement with another season of improvement. And that's, you know, that's the gold standard we're all looking at is to be able to put two seasons in a row where they improve. And and exactly. You know, none of the dynasty teams ever did it, so it's that would be huge. I mean, 
like I think I said after the first week of the season, I expect this team to be third in the central or first wild card spot, and that's where they sit exactly right now. And obviously, the roller coaster style of how they got there isn't amazing at times, but if you kind of zoom out at the big picture, it's good enough. Yeah. It's where I expect them to be. It's just at this point, it would be disappointing if they made the, they missed the playoffs because oh for sure they were in a position for so long, and the division isn't great. And if they lost out, they certainly would be losing out to a team that's not as good. Correct. You know, and, and we we know how the season plays out. It, we're you know, we, we have a very light schedule from now until, the, I think, the 2nd of February when, you know, it just becomes every other day. Um, you know, it's it's sort of how they start playing after that all-star slash week-off break um, that's really going to determine how yeah. it goes. Like, not only do we get busier at that time, but we have saved a ton of divisional games, too. Yeah. Yep. So. It's going to get really real in a hurry. But it's going to get really, really, really real in a hurry right now, too. And instead of waiting to the end to get into this, let's go ahead and dive into it right now, since we're kind of talking that way. Uh, the next five games are a lot more important than they might have been before the failed homestand, thanks to all the losing, because they don't have the points bank that we've been kind of hoping for. Uh, but it's a long, meandering road trip through all of Canada. We start on Tuesday in Winnipeg, and then travel back to back to Calgary on Wednesday. Schedule loss there. Then on Friday, the Avs travel back east all the way to Montreal for a rematch with the Canadiens. And then they jog west again on Monday to take on Toronto. And then a minor zag back east to finish up on Wednesday in Ottawa, who are currently sitting league worst. Well done there. <laughs> yeah, this is the last, like, really brutal road trip of the year for the Avs. Like, after this one, it gets their travel gets way, way easier, but... They really are. They're finishing the the road trips with a with a bang, to say the least. They're playing good teams, and they're racking up some frequent flyer miles to do it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, this really is a big test, just because you know they never play Calgary well. Winnipeg in Winnipeg has always been difficult. Toronto is obviously very good. You know, I think that the Canadians is always a good matchup, just because of the way that that the Canadians play. Ottawa, you have to beat just because it's in your best interest to. Um, <laughs> you, have, you have to. You have to win it's, that game. <laughs> Ottawa's that they're so injury injury riddled at this point too. That's just not a team you can lose to. Right. You know that's that's one of those you're so afraid to lose that you you know it, it might be closer than you'd really like kind of game. Um, but you know it's like they're five really different teams and you, you kind of have to the, the the staff have to really coach their way through this trip and it's going to be very difficult so you know how they prepare the the guys for each game it's going to be very interesting yeah i mean the the winnipeg calgary back-to-back especially calgary is going to be rested at home for the second half there and that's just brutal but the abs are very good on the second half of back-to-back so far so um it it doesn't seem a real tough one yeah yeah, it, it. I mean, it, it's going to be a tough game no matter what. But I don't think it being on the back half of a back to back is going to be as much of a factor as just you know playing Calgary will. Uh, yeah, playing and, and Calgary maybe Cal- Calgary's been a death sentence for this team lately. Right. Yeah, it maybe it may Calgary will take it lightly. Maybe 
maybe they'll think, oh, we've handled this team. They're on a back-to-back. And it's it's sports, you know. Weird stuff happens all the time. So it's not like they don't have a chance. But I, those I, are... Maybe if it wasn't Winnipeg on the front side, but Winnipeg likes to beat the crap out of us, too. So <laughs> That's yeah. true. I don't think the Devils are bad enough to, to be a trap game for Calgary. I think it's, like... Earl is right that Colorado have better results than you would expect on the, on the second half of a back-to-back, but like it it really does come down to you're traveling a long way after a probably a punishing game against Buffalo and the Jets, and then like, you go into an arena where you historically have struggled and recently have like struggled against this team, and it's a good team too. So like, yeah, it's just that that's not a good situation if if they. Yeah. If they were to come out of those first two games with three points, it'd be amazing. Yeah, that, I think two would be amazing. If they get three points out yeah. of the first two, <laughs> two would be amazing. They're cruising <laughs> through the rest of the road trip. Like, like, yeah. Two would be good. I'm saying like three would be well exceeds expectations. I, if we get five points on this whole trip, I think we did all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they win one of those two games in Winnipeg or Calgary, that, that's pretty borderline amazing. Yeah. And then for some the, reason, this the schedulers decided to basically do this in the least effective way possible. I guess they could have done, like, Toronto first or something, but this is really <laughs> rough. What helps is they do have a couple games before the Montreal game. So I'm sure they'll get a day off somewhere in there. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably be in, in Montreal. I, I, th- I don't know, do you think they'll stay in Calgary after like the night after that game? Yeah. They, they have two days off, and it's a long flight, so maybe. Yeah, no, maybe. I, I think we've seen a lot of teams that have taken advantage of sleeping in a hotel and then getting up the next morning and flying. For right. Especially like when you're going east, you'd get in at like 3 a.m. local time if you flew. Oh, so... more than that. That's a five-hour flight. Yeah, so like 5 a.m., yeah. So they'd be better to stay. <laughs> That'd be an overnight <laughs> flight where you lose your night. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they have no need to do that. Just fly the next right. day. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like sleep, wake up at 7, 8 in the morning, whatever, get on the plane, fly, get there midday, and, you know, you don't even have to play that night. We, f- we forget, because there's so few, like, major cities in Canada, we forget in the U.S. how big Canada is. That's, that's a long flight <laughs> from Alberta to Quebec. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. it's basically like flying from Denver to Boston. Farther, isn't it? Yeah, Boston's only like four hours. What? Yeah, I mean, back when I, back when I was a kid, New York to Denver was five hour flight, but nah, maybe planes, it's a little shorter than that. Yeah, it's more like four. If you go the other way, it's longer because of the jet stream, I think. But that's yeah, that could be a factor too. Um, okay, but that's just, that's just Alberta to Quebec is forever. And yeah, then, it's not short. <laughs> And then you get to fly back to Toronto, which is deceptively far. And then at least Ottawa's close. Yeah. I think for the the second three games, um, I think they could win two out of three. They just have to... They have to beat Ottawa and... For some reason, I don't know. They seem to do okay against Toronto sometimes. They might do. Yeah, they... Well, Toronto are like the Avs, except better. So they, they really match up for exciting games. We'll see. Well, there won't be any hitting, at least, so... The, 
Bruto three, the no name YouTuber versus Steve Dangle Streak still lives. <laughs> Since I started doing YouTube videos, the Abs have never lost to Toronto. So nice. <laughs> oh boy. Um, and you know, with our goaltending goal issues, the uh, Toronto's going through some themselves. And I, I rarely pay attention to Calgary, but I, I, I do pick up things from time to time that their goaltending is not as hot as it was back when we played them in the fall. Well, that would be difficult because their goaltending had has been really strong. It hasn't been John Gibson strong, but it's been really strong. Yeah. The, the league's goaltending is very weird this year. It's like there's John Gibson, and then there's a whole league of difference, and then there's everyone else. Yeah. If Anaheim ever collapses, they're collapsing hard. That's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. So it it's been a really exhausting couple of weeks to be an Avalanche fan between all the like the comebacks that then just get stifled and the games you're never really in and the boredom of playing the Islanders and the Kings and all that stuff and it's it's gonna be rough for another week and a half too. So, oh boy. I just, I, I, they tend to play better on the road, and I just, I have a feeling that getting away from the Pepsi Center is, is probably just what they need right now. I agree. I think, I think it'd be helpful. Well, they're, they're nine, six, and five at home, and they're 11, eight, and three on the road. So I'm, I'm not going to math that out, but it seems kind of similar. Yeah, right. Seems pretty, but it, I mean, the, you'd think they would be markedly better at home. Just because that's the way teams I mean, play, but half the fans at home are the other team. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, where did all those Sharks fans come I from? I know they were traumatizing at the Sharks game, and then obviously Chicago always travels well. You know, it it hasn't been that long since I've been to Denver. Like, it's been a couple of years, and I could tell a difference this time while I was there. There is like there are just so many more people that are clearly like new to the area and like changing the culture like you can you can really feel that difference and that there's just so many away fans because Denver's full of away people that's all right we a family sat in front of me when i went for the sharks game that was sharks fans and the kid was rooting for the avs so nice. they're raising the next generation <laughs> we're getting there that does make me feel better yeah that was like my family my parents were rangers fans which is you know that's terrible genre and everything but I woke up and became an Islanders fan. And now you're a Habs fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tough trip coming up, but then at the end of it, you get a pair of afternoon games in a row for some reason, and then Minnesota at home, and then you're off for like almost two weeks. Because it's time for the All-Star game. Who cares about sure, the they, they, can't do, they, they basically can't do anything from that Minnesota game until, like, what, the day before they start yeah. back up? Like, February, basically, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. So, like, that game on February 2nd against Vancouver, which is at 8 o'clock Mountain to top this all off. Like, it's a home game that's, that's extra late. Probably for Hockey Night in Canada. Like, that's going to be a, the sludgiest game since October. I hope not. It will be for be both there. teams, but yeah. <laughs> but like, we're, we're going to have the All-Star game coming up in, at the end of the month. Um, Nathan McKinnon was voted the captain of the Central Division, 
and Miko Rantanen also gets a nod, and Gabe Landeskog is on the please vote me in list. Along with Patrick Laine and a couple of other, you know, players who are pretty good at hockey as well. Yeah, yeah I don't have a whole lot of faith. Yeah, I have that, zero that faith Landeskog that he'll actually that. make it. <laughs> Maybe if they were, like, on their, the highest of their role, you know, where they're have like 10 game point streak or whatever maybe I th- he could have been voted but then again they voted McKinnon as the captain so right yeah well, just line a such a a known player around you know all, all NHL cities not just sort of Winnipeg around the east and like <coughs> where the under are. the guise of the public or whatever you want to call it Landy's kind of captain robot a little bit too whereas line a just says whatever he's thinking so right <laughs> like they're insanely marketable for very different reasons like landiscog is very like traditionally hockey marketable and, and line a is just like i don't know what the hell this guy's gonna say next <laughs> so yeah I, I don't expect gabe to win that one but good luck I Plus, they can probably convince Line A to floss at the game, so. Good lord. <laughs> Has Line A won a Fortnite game recently? Do we have his record pulled up? <laughs> we I did, don't have We just have that up. ready on hand, right? Do you guys care about the All-Star Weekend at all? No. Nope. <laughs> I would say yes and no. I don't try to sit down and watch it but some of the skills stuff i didn't really watch it last year but the year before when they had the three on three was it the john scott year no i feel like it was not that year but it was another year but i like that they've changed it to the three on three it's easier to watch that way having like a game was really stale I, i don't know i mean as much as people say that they don't care about the All-Star game, it, it seems to be a big topic of conversation about what they're doing, what the rules are, how yeah, they're bringing I mean, people in, who's on the team, stuff like that. I think it's a very necessary thing. It's great for kids. It's great for fans that aren't really know that don't know the game that well or just getting into it. They can get to see some of the biggest names and all this skill. But, you know, I haven't been a casual fan since I was eight. So <laughs> for the people on this podcast, it's kind of just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it's also awesome for the host city. That That's important to keep in mind. Like, it uh, is. It's a great fan fest and all of that. Yeah. I think the things like McKinnon being captain and Miko having his first one, that those things make it more interesting. If it was just McKinnon as just one of the guys, you're kind of used to that. That's not a big deal, but I do really like the recognition for Miko and it would be really cool to have Landis and have the whole line because you know, they would play that up and that would be fun. Yeah. So it's just kind of obnoxious that that over the last decade, the all-star weekend has done so many things to be fun and then immediately stopped doing them. It's like, oh, we can't that we can't actually do that, just kidding. It was too good. The the last All-Star game I really paid attention to was the one in Denver, so But I th- we were talking before the show and we all kind of like agreed that we we'll turn on the skills competition and maybe not give too much of a shit about it, but watch like some of the more interesting things or some entertaining things that can happen there. Um but then other than that, like the game itself is just kind of 
Whatever. Yeah, pretty much. And Alex Ovechkin's already announced, like, I'm not going. Sorry, bye. I'm a little surprised they were just actually honest about that. Not, like, lower body, blah, 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 you know. That they were actually just truthful. That he's just not going. He's gone, like, so many times. Yeah, yeah and that's that's why it's not an issue. Like, yeah. he's he's done his duty, and that's fine. It's just that they made the bye week because players were saying, well, the all-star break is like our time to get away, to recharge, go to the beach, whatever. If you expect us to show up for that, then you have to give us time off. Like, that's why the bye week was created. So it does feel like, well, you guys, and for the most part, they most of them do go now. There aren't as many bullshit injuries. Or people just deciding not to go. So it does kind of feel like, well, you have to hold up your end of the bargain. But I agree. Ovechkin is someone that he's done his duty. He's been there. But like, let's say if someone like Eichel bullshits out of it, then you would be you would be disappointed in him for that, I think. Yeah, or someone, you know, like that technically just short of this but the rule should be if you score more goals than your age by the all-star break <laughs> you don't have to go <laughs> so of course if you if you skip the all-star game the league still does suspend you for a game but you do get to pick which game that is which is kind of funny oh really i didn't know that so <laughs> did he pick already did he pick like before or after <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that is funny you get a pick um but I mean, honestly, so we'll see. We'll see who else bows out. Yeah, honestly, good for Ovechkin for just being like, "Thanks, but no." Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm they were this. honest about it because the whole like, "Oh, sore groin, not gonna go," is like, "Come on." Oh, I've got a body Oops. injury. Sorry. <laughs> it's especially tough for the East Coast guys because it's in San Jose too. I mean, that's you know, you you got to make a five hour, six hour flight, whatever. Just yeah, but they get like. Six days off after that, so it's still be okay. It's still pretty exhausting to fly ac- across the country, lose three hours, and then like, or, or gain three hours, I guess, because you, you lose them when you come back. But you just spend three days partying and then playing hockey with a pounding headache, and then lose three, lose several hours coming home. That's that's like that's not a break. Yeah. So, anyway, um. It's just frustrating to me how how much fun like the All Star Game all, has almost been lately, and then how yeah, it kinda... could be. There's there's certainly more potential there. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the, they're inching towards it, but like the draft was a lot of fun, and then they said, "No, no, we can't be fun anymore." And <laughs> and the skills competition always has like some neat little games, and then one that's just absolutely dreadful, like. Yeah, it's amazing that these players can hit a saucer pass from 100 feet away. Do I want to watch them try 20 times to get it? No. No. I don't care. But uh, All-Star is not the only kind of alternate hockey that's been going on lately. We've got a new world junior champion, and that is Team Finland. The goal... The, the, what is that? Like, is it a trophy? Is it a cup? Like, Is there a cup or is it just a medal? Both. It's both. Okay, so the... Whatever. The, the blank winning goal was... Uh, Scored by a player of some interest, so I'll I'll let someone who knows a little bit more about what they're talking about kind of kind of handle the world junior conversation. We're not going to get super deep into it, but yeah. Spoiler alert: Capo Caco's going first overall. Get on board. Whoa! <laughs> to the abs. 
to the elves. Yeah, we, uh, like you said, we're not going to get too deep into it on this one, but by the time this is posted, we'll probably be recording the next Talking Out Our Abs, which will cover everything at the World Juniors, including the Avs prospects, and then we'll also talk about kind of the whole first round of the draft as it's starting to shape up as well. So if you're interested in draft stuff, that will be out there sometime this week. So gold to Finland, silver to the United States, bronze to Russia, and not bronze to Switzerland. I didn't say Canada, did you notice? Yeah. What's up Lost with that? Quarters. Pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah Canada Tim. had a rough go of it. They were they were a little undercoached, I'd say, and uh you know, it probably wasn't their best team if you're sort of comparing them over in the past five, ten years, but um they definitely had a little bit more than they showed. It was surprising. I I I thought they probably could at least get into the medal rounds, but oh yeah, um, they lost to Finland, so I guess yeah, you could say yeah. well they lost to the champ- the eventual champions. But they only had yeah, to but... play the eventual champions because they lost in the group stage too. Right. Was that to Sweden or Russia? They lost to Russia. Russia. Okay. Yeah. So they lost to the gold and the bronze medal winners. Which uh, is only co- only a, a little bit of uh, consolidation if you weren't expecting to win gold, just because your name is Canada. Um, yeah, they had they've had a good couple years, so you, you kind of see they they were expected to win. I kind of I was rooting more for Russia and Czech Republic. I definitely was a bad American. Well, why would you do a thing like that? I just can't handle the hype for that American team. Definitely not. Can't do it. Martin Cowden, Nikolai Kovalenko. Well, yeah. (laughs) That helps too. So I so I know y'all are going to get into the Avs prospects probably in a significant depth on on Tua, but just real briefly, what did we see from the Avs guys at World Junior, and what did we see from the the top two, the presumptive top two in in Jack Hughes and Kapokak? Um, a lot of the Evs had really good tournaments. Many of them, their tournament ended a little bit earlier than we had hoped, but in the time they had, they were super solid. I don't really think any of them had negatives other than the whole Sampo Ranta situation where he made the team, but it was fake and didn't really make the team. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> he was like the light. They kind of keep around like a couple they could basically register 13 forwards and he was kind of like the 14th. They keep, keep a lot of those extras around through maybe the first couple games just to see kind of if they have an injury in a certain area, then they might keep one guy over another, but he ended up being kind of the last cut. So maybe they'll give him an, an honorary gold medal in the mail or something. But the thing for Sampo is he can play next year. So for him getting all the way basically to on the team, being truly the last cut, it should bode well for him making it next year. 
Yep, and then on the draft side, I am biased towards Capo Caco anyway, but I do think he had a better tournament. Hughes dealt with some injury issues during it. I, he only played in three games. He did get three assists in those games, so he was producing decently. Uh, Caco obviously scoring the gold medal or whatever you want to call it. Winning goal is clutch as hell for a 17-year-old, so it's hard to argue with that. And, and beyond that, Caco's build is just more prepared to play with kids older than him and even men. He plays in a, the highest professional league in Finland, so he's he's ready for the NHL. And then I'd say the other draft eligible is Podkolzin for Russia. And he's probably looking like a top five pick, so him playing, he had three assists as well, and the Russian team trusted him a lot more than even they did Svechnikov last year. So that was kind of like a big storyline for for anybody that watched the Russian team is it's, you've got to keep keep in mind Pod Colson especially he probably won't go one or two but if we pick outside of that he's gonna be in the conversation and just to say on our 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 players um, Kaut had three goals and an assist the Czechs only scored nine goals so well there you go. <laughs> So you can't say that he didn't contribute, and the uh, he was named one of the top three players on the team. Like uh, after each team's eliminated, the coaches pick who their top three were for the team, and he was one of them. Um, so I, and then Shiravlyov and Kovalenko obviously won bronze with Russia. And they both played; they both averaged a decent amount of ice time. Kovalenko around fifteen minutes, and Shiravlyov around like seventeen, eighteen. So. They were good, good parts of the team, and Zoravlyov had an assist, and Kovalenko had a goal and two assists. So they and it was were game-winning goal. Yeah, Kovalenko. I think we talked about this last time, but he had the game-winning goal shorthanded. He had this dramatic crash into the boards, and he sat out a game, but he came <laughs> back and he lived. <laughs> so that was good. It was good That's to see. Important to live. Yes, he was still in the competition. And then Bowers had two assists for Canada. They used him a lot defensively. It was interesting. He was slated to be the kind of the third line center. But after a couple games, he was kind of more like a middle six winger. It seemed like the coaches really liked him. It seemed like the whole time, even through like camps and everything, he kind of raised up. He always got more and more responsibility, so that was good to see from him. So, like you all said, all of them had good tournaments and reasons for the Avs and Avs fans to feel positive about what they did. Yeah, I think Bowers really benefited from sort of a, a conservative and defense-first coach and Tim Hunter and, and um, was able to take advantage of it because that line probably got more played more than most people would have liked to have seen um, compared to what, what what you would look at as the two top skill lines on that team, um, but you know, take what you can get. I, I think it was a good tournament for them. So, if you're interested in more kind of the in depth of like you know how these players played a little bit beyond the stat lines, I mean, you know that these three were were watching every minute they could get their eyeballs on. So, make sure to check out the next episode of Tua probably. Going live within the next couple of days after this does, I would imagine. Yeah, just uh, alongside that, I do have plans for a couple of shift by shifts, one of Kaut and one of Kogovalenko as well. So you guys can get some eyes on it as well if you missed it. Awesome. 
Good nice. stuff. And then definitely starting to look forward to some of that draft chatter. Um, and looking forward to it because the Avs have a high, likely first-round pick, and that, that isn't their own. So that's that's very cool. Yeah, I was kind of... When Ottawa was hanging in there around me, 10th pick, it was exciting, but, you know, I, I try not to focus on it. But when you see them sitting there in 31st place, it really... That really does change the way that you kind of perceive and think about this upcoming pick, which they'll probably be a little bit better when Shabbat gets back because he is a huge part of that team. Uh, but, um, yeah, at the halfway point, seeing our pick in 31st place is, is quite interesting and will, of course, be a huge, huge storyline for the next six months. Just a little bit. <laughs> so an- another huge storyline before we start trying to talk about getting out of here today um to bring it back to the avalanche has just been i mean you're there's just you know ottawa's pick is with the avalanche link up there ottawa's very injured abs are very injured link up there when are we going to see nikita zadorov again Oof, who knows it's a concern. <laughs> it seems like and we don't have eyes on what it goes on every minute of practice, but from what it has been available, it seems like twice now he briefly skated one day and then didn't skate for several days after that, which sounds like that's not good. No, that sounds like feeling a little bit better, tested. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, pretty much. So... I will be very. That, interested. Is, that is better than skating than a couple nothing. days and then never seeing him again because he went and got reconstructed <laughs> knee surgery at the Stephen Hawkins Clinic in Vail. But well, at least we would know. Yeah. <laughs> they probably yeah they probably would tell us if he was out that long maybe but uh, I don't know. and then his actual <laughs> replacement on the roster and Mark Barbario was also just missing so. Yeah, yeah he, Barbario's he been, gone. He has been consistently skating. So is Wilson. I I wouldn't be shocked if both of those guys went on the road trip. It will be very interesting to see who they bring because that always lets you know kind of what the real timeline on some of these guys are. And, so, and who knows? They may have just done a, a money move with Francis and they may call him back up for the trip. Yeah. It's possible, but I think... I if think Varley's really good to go, to roll with I think he's going, yeah. yeah when has sure. Varley ever come back early? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one time he hurt himself like, again. Yeah, that one time he hurt himself again. So the the next replacement in line for Zadorov has been Ryan Graves, who has been the first AHL defender to come in and look like he belonged with the Avalanche. By my eyes. Yeah. But how do we feel about Ryan Graves? I, you know, I, I've been fairly impressed with him at the NHL level. I mean, you know, you, you go through these lines from the talking heads, like, you know, a, a more structured game at the NHL level is really benefiting him and stuff like that. But it, it's, I, I think it's fairly random when you see a guy come up from the AHL and be a little bit more than you expected. Um, and they've, they've put him in a situation where he can, you know, really used his strengths well and, they they don't put him in situations where he's apt to fail. Um, and I, I think they basically did the same thing with Alton Lindholm, but they, they did fail anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to see a guy <laughs> that they bring up and, and actually be a positive influence. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. Like they are still playing him just ten minutes, so yeah. I I think maybe out there there's a little bit too much optimism. Like, hey, maybe we found a real NHL player here. I don't think we're quite there. It's been a but, week. No. Yeah, calm down. Right. Yeah. But like... he's but he's been better than Alton, which that in itself is a a win. <laughs> it's a yeah. low bar, but it is a win. Right. You can't deny that he's earned the spot, but as my dog is is saying, uh, <laughs> preach a little caution here. Dog warning. Sounds like a chair. The the warning alarm, as it were. Uh, we've seen this story before about three or four times over the past couple of years. Lindholm comes in. He looks pretty decent compared to the tire fire that was there before. Give him 15 games. Turns out, not so much. Same story with Alt. Kind of the same story with Siemens as well. So, and yes, going all the it's back great. To speed route too. Yeah, right. It's great that he started out well. Looks decent, but if you look a little closer underneath, especially on the defensive side, there are some concerning issues that I have, particularly with his skating ability. Uh, on the rush, he gets toasted a lot. <laughs> And that's fine in this sheltered role for now. And he's getting a lot of help getting bailed out a lot of the time. So I have no problem with him being a number six, seven for now, but he's going to have to consistently continue to prove it. Yeah. And I, I really like the sequence leading up to his um, first NHL goal against the Rangers where, you know, he got turnstiled really bad took a penalty that ended up being a penalty shot that, that Gerby saved his bacon on. And then, you know, a minute later he scores his first goal. Well, that was a good so, penalty, wasn't it? I took that dude out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, get your money's worth. Money's he, worth. Was, <laughs> he was in front of the guy though. And the dude just blew past him. So he right. had to take the penalty. But <laughs> Exactly. You know, that, that wasn't a good look, but you know, Having a short memory like that and being able to dive into the play and, and you know get a goal like he did right afterwards, um, it did that, help that's kind a of a, a really lead. good sign that he can bounce back like that. Yeah, it helped that they had a four-goal lead, but... Yeah. But yeah, I too have been pleasantly surprised. If, if they can have someone they can call up and then we all don't have to cover our eyes and watch him play... That's good. That's what they should be trying to do. And maybe having guys like him and not needing guys like Alt. But the problem still is they need to get to the the talent portion of the call-ups. Shout out to Nick Malosh, who scored two goals and an assist last night. Just file that one away. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for now, the grave situation is good. So we'll we'll see. Like they still have no extra defensemen. So I'm curious to see if even they get Barbario back, do they keep Graves and keep the seven? Or are they gonna try to go through Canada with six defensemen? So we'll see. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh well we would tell you as soon as it happened, wouldn't we? Um, uh, I can tell you, Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> so for his first NHL goal, I will deliver a star to Ryan Graves. Absolutely. That's well fair. He's, yeah. he's had a good week overall. He 
He's he should be proud. That's for sure. He didn't get his first NHL goal by doinking it off a defender's skate and goofily in. It didn't go off his ass. Like this was he <laughs> scored a real goal. Yeah. Yeah. And against his oh. old team, I mean that's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so who else do we have stars for? This is such a mixed week. It's so hard to say. Yeah. Is, like, you think of, aha, oh, no. I'll <laughs> say Tyson Jost. I mean, yeah. three points yeah. in three games. I know some of them were garbage time and all, but you know, he's kind of a key piece for the abs. If he can be a little bit more consistent offensively, they're going to start winning more games. He's been I'll consistent offensively. One. He just needs to be well, consistently Well, the other way, him. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give my start of Francis because he stepped in two difficult situations. He's done well. Fair play. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not often you have a, a third goalie with a, a 943 save percentage. <laughs> well, who's 0-2? Who's <laughs> Owen two with zero starts? <laughs> Owen two with sixty-two minutes and a nine forty-three save percentage. That's a real interesting stat line. Yeah. <laughs> Who else are we gonna shower with praise? Okay. I think Earl's <laughs> left. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I would say that, you know, any one of the top line guys for what they did against the Rangers, but, you know, it's like you look at the rest of the week and you're kind of like, nah. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's hard to find too many stars this week unless you're relying, you know, on a blowout win for it. All right, then scratch somebody, then. Mr. Um, Gabe Bork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Gabe Bork for me... You know, I, I it's it's this this may be a lifetime achievement scratch for him, but <laughs> um, you know, just sort of what happened and what went horribly wrong against the Sharks. I mean, it, it just yeah, he's a fourth liner, and it's like low hanging fruit to pick on a guy like this. But it's just you know, playing a guy, you know, put it dressing a guy that you're only going to play you know five minutes at, at even strength and. You know, his one job is to be on the PK, and and, and he can't do that. So, yeah, you know, I, just, I think his use to the team is, is coming quickly to an end. Right. Being perfect against the Rangers on the PK is kind of the nail in the coffin there, I think. Right. Uh, it is the Rangers. It is, but... But it's like, yeah. well, what do you need him for? Yeah, if he, if he can't do his very limited job well... Then... Yeah, I mean, it's like Logan O'Connor's no great shakes, but I mean, it's like, you know, he took a PK shift or two this week, and and I, honestly, I, I defy anyone to say he did any worse. And it's not no, like even we don't had have a other really options. Good yeah, he had a great too. breakaway, you know, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think that sort of the way the Avs PK, I mean, O'Connor's very similar to Matt Calvert, who is also not one of my favorites, if you, if you didn't know. Um <laughs> But you know that that sort of threat on the on the penalty kill is sort of something that I, I think they need to be effective because when they don't have that threat, they end up collapsing. And, and if there's no danger, I, I think the other team just finds it way too easy to um, have their way with them. So yeah, I mean, if you look at the other options, I think we've said it a few times. Nieto's the best PKer on the Abs. 
Yeah. You have Soderberg, who's very solid PK. Comfort, who's decent enough, better than the Calverts and Borks of the world. And then you have Calvert, or if you're desperate, even like a Landeskog. So that's five guys that can actually play at five on five that can also PK. Right, and and I don't, ha- you know, again, O'Connor hasn't been bad. Dr- Dreis has taken a few shifts there. You can you can spot shift him in that role if you need to. So it's just, you know, it, it, he just looks like a role that you don't need anymore, and and a guy that, um, you know, I hate it for him because you know, by all accounts, he's a good guy to have in the locker room, and it, you know, he has been somewhat solid over the past few years. But it just, you know, the Avs have outgrown him at this point. Probably true. I will give my scratch to stupid penalties. Because that really was the problem this week. Lots and lots of stupid penalties. Yeah, that could be a whole year-long scratch, basically. (laughs) Hey, boys, our penalty kill is really struggling. What do you think we should do? Let's trip people. Uh, uh, No, let's not trip people. Okay, let's hold them, then. Uh, No, you're missing the point here. guys during a PK, you know. That's... That stuff's AHL crap, you know? It's like, you got to be better than this. <laughs> it's, it's, You know what's funny, though? I'm looking right now at one of Micah's charts for uh, penalties drawn versus penalties taken. And other than the first five games of the year, the Avs have been either even or drawing more than they take. Which is and, good. And and I understand. They, they play a certain way where they're going to take some penalties. Yeah. And we're missing all the Zadorov being big penalties too, which are not. Yeah, we're real taking penalties. a lot of dumb stick penalties. Miko and did a good job penalties. filling in for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like I can accept some penalties because of the way they play, but yeah, we've we've definitely filled up the stupid bucket this week. Yeah, that like like bucket. Landy's like Landy's penalty with he got careless with his stick and lost the you know basically lost the game for for the team by having a, a penalty kill in overtime and then Calvert's that got us on the five V three versus and the Barry's that took one yep. with three seconds left to go in the period. Yeah. No, but I mean, Calvert's was so bad and I know he didn't know the guy <laughs> was there and that's tough, but it's just, you know, it's like if you're in control of your stick, that doesn't happen. And you know, they probably don't score. So, nope. you know, keep, keep a hold of your stick guys. Well, I mean, they, <laughs> they might score. I mean, it was Joe Pavelski's so. right. That guy can't not score. Right. But yeah, I, th- I think bad penalties is a good scratch to give this. Yeah, game. they yeah. lost a couple points on that this week. Yep. And uh, I, I've i got a scratch to throw out towards both the NHL's goaltenders. Like, we've, we've got to be better than this. Yeah, like we said, two wraparound goals. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's fair. They do need to be better. I don't think they're the the sole reason why they've been losing, but they do need to be better. They're not helping. All right. It's you, we talk about the NHL being a three-goal league, and the Avalanche have scored four goals and lost in the last month. Let's count. One. That's the back button, not the back month button. Um, so in the last month, <laughs> they've, lo- they've scored four goals and lost once to San Jose, once to Arizona, once to Edmonton. And that's enough times for me to be frustrated. You go right. back to the start of the year, and you have that Vancouver and Calgary right. game too, and right. exactly. You know that they, they and you know this is sort of a phenomenon around the league. So I mean, it, it 
you know, it's not just the abs goalies that are doing this, but, um, you know, they just do need to be better. I mean, you know, you can lose one of those every once in a while, but you can't do it all the time. Does it kind of feel that way because they're ha- not having to have the those miracle wins where they stand on their head and make 50 saves and win? Like, the abs aren't routinely getting out shot like that, so does it feel like we're just not getting the miracles anymore and that kind of skews the perception because we do kind of expect that from Varley at least like a little bit miracles from Varley it's kind of like he's he's just been okay I think those are more like the games that we lose two to three or one to two yeah um yeah, I mean, because I mean, the, the games where we give up a lot of... sorry go ahead uh, the the games where we give up a ton of goals, yes, the goalies need to be better, but also the defense is shitting the bed there too. It's it's the games that were close, you're in it, next goal kind of wins, and then Gruby gives up a, a squirter. That's no good. Right, like I was going to say that they don't lose a ton where they like had a 2-1 lead in the third and then they like blow the game. Like That doesn't seem to happen that much. It's like in this bad streak, they just never had the lead. Unless we're playing Calgary. Well, right. <laughs> right, but it's just they're not losing games because they're blowing it. Not yeah. not visibly. But I mean e- even if you look at it statistically, which we're not going to do because it's a spoken podcast, I mean, Varlamov has gone from, you know, towards the top of the league towards very average. So I mean he's he's taken a quite a tumble as the season has gone on. Right. And you know, I think some of that is the you know, the staff don't want to play that five-man PK for 30 minutes to get a win kind of game. And, you know, if if a casualty of that is, you know, having some situations like we're seeing, then, you know, maybe that's okay because, I mean, you, you generally need to learn not to play that way if you're going to have success. Generally, sure. Yeah. So, Rudo, I think you had one thing to add before we move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if he deserves a star for the week, but he certainly deserves a star for his career with the Avs and Tyson Berry. Uh, we would be remiss not to mention that he is now the highest scoring defenseman in Avs history. So that's kind of a big deal for a guy who's pretty polarizing. Yeah. And if you watch yeah. Altitude, you know very well who he took that, that record from. <laughs> that got painful. <laughs> like I Rob thought, Blake, just kidding. Like I thought, y'all on the, on the Discord couldn't let a joke go. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it, it it was fun after that game. I kind of looked at, at sort of you know Barry's career and and you know how how it's kind of stacking up. I mean, he's basically averaging a fifty point pace throughout his career. Um, you know, he he really he really got to this milestone quick because this is his sixth season, you know, like a full season with the Avs. He had two that weren't quite full um, be- before he really started playing full time. Um, but that's you know that's a lot of points over a career. You Does know, it also indicate the Avs haven't had great defense in their history that have played a long time? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's telling that the guy that they compare Barry to a lot is Sandus Ozilinch, who you know obviously hasn't been with the team for over twenty years. You know, I mean, it's 
it's not a position they they generally sought out. They've generally always wanted sort of big crushing D's. <clears throat> Guys like Oslinch and Bork and Barry have kind of been the exception to the rule. Yep, they're looking um, for the next Adam Foot. Yeah, which so, doesn't work anymore. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, kudos to Barry. It, I think I actually think overall he has had a good week or a better week. If you ignore Minus that San Jose game, maybe he, he was real bad in the San Jose game. Yeah. You have to hold your nose on any star you hand out this week, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Alright, so that pretty much runs out of what we had prepared for today. Um, You're not going to hear Jackie's voice for a little while. Um, I don't know how much she wants to say about that, but Jackie, if you have any, any fadeaways before you take a little vacation from us, you have the floor. Yeah, I'm going on a little bit of a sabbatical. It's planned, so it's not not reactionary to the team driving me crazy or anything like that. It's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I will miss you all. Hope you miss me. Um, and I will say as my parting thought, I hope somebody watched Nick Malosh's game for the Eagles last night, and he's called up while I am gone. <laughs> When can we expect you back, do you want to say? Um, maybe three weeks from now. Wait, yeah, three weeks from now. Either three or four. It depends. Okay. okay, so one week from now, we'll be talking about the games in Winnipeg, which is on Tuesday at 6 o'clock Mountain, on Wednesday at 7.30 Mountain. And for some reason, it's on uh, ESPN+, Plus, which is interesting. And then on Saturday, we have Montreal at 5 o'clock Mountain. All those games are also on original altitude. How many points? <sighs> Four. Yeah, Whoa! I think that's a good number, actually. That's a good goal. I th I think, I'm going I three. The Habs, um, the, the Habs are very inconsistent, but... I. I, I think that's the game. That's a game they should win, and I I really think that some momentum can be carried from the Rangers game to get two points out of the next two games. Yeah, I agree. I, I think tell you I think one. I'd like us against Winnipeg as much as I've been talking about how good they are. <laughs> um, I think they'll actually beat Calgary. Yeah, I'm actually leaning towards Calgary, but I don't want to jinx it. I think there's no <laughs> chance. <laughs> I think that's why they'll win, because it seems like they have no chance. Well, I think there's no chance against Winnipeg, because that's just such a stylistic mismatch. So, maybe it's that one. Hey, I mean, <laughs> Winnipeg scores on themselves an OT for us, so that's how we win overtimes. <laughs> I'll say a win in Calgary and a point against Montreal. I, but, I, yeah. My prediction is pain, and I think we get two points out of Montreal, and that is it. I mean, that be. wouldn't be that bad. It, it, the thing is, if we only get two points this week, we need at least three against Toronto and Ottawa. Yeah. But we'll save that for next week. We will save that for next week, won't we? But just not looking forward to, uh, to, to some of the roughness that might be coming up. I am looking forward to the start times, though. Three, uh, three five mountain games in a row is very kind to me. I'm a fan. I know it's rough on some of y'all who have, you know, get off work at 5 o'clock in, in Colorado, but a little bit east of there, I'm down. So, 
whether it's two, three, four, zero, six points next week, you know, you can find out here. Um, thanks as always for tuning in and listening to the end for some reason. You can always catch us on cloud, SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash radio or on iTunes or on your favorite RSS based podcast catcher. Um, Mixcloud has decided to just no longer let me upload there, uh, but which I, I don't mean decided, decided, it's just kind of happening. And so I submitted the RSS feed to them as a podcast and never heard a thing back. So I don't know what's up with Mixcloud, y'all. Sorry. Um, we always post every episode on burgundyrainbow.com, where you can also find your links to the Discord. Join us there and talking about all, all kinds of random stuff. It's been talk about Marvel movies the last few days for some reason. Um, so... That always comes up and lasts for like 72 intense hours and then the channel dies for a little while again. But anyway, whatever happens next week, we'll see you here. Keep your head up in the dirty areas. See you next week. Clem <laughs> is back with the rampage. He sure is. I had a I had a good giggle about him at the tournament. Oh, we see we've seen that red mist a time or two before <laughs> in the AHL. <Yeah. laughs> I still don't hate him, but I mean, yeah, I don't I hate him think... either. But yeah, he's just so unstable. I mean, you're just like <laughs> I don't you know I I don't know how an NHL could team could deal with that right now. Um. It's like a lot of almost. Like you like the power forward stuff, but he doesn't really ever score on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's a St. Louis player, and it's like fuck that.